This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, peeps? Welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Today, we are talking to the author, Simon Jones. Let's jump into the intro, and I'll tell you some more about it. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviors. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing a stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluent. What's up people, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is a YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin so if you're new here hit the subscribe hit the bell all of those buttony thingamajiggies my name is james i'm your host for today and i also run along with my amazing partner sherry uh, a consultancy in health safety fire and culture type work so if you need any help whether it's technical safety cultural change or fire i'm pretty sure there's something we can do for you so check out riskfluent ltd.com so today we are talking to the author simon jones if you haven't read his book check it out all the links will be in the description below um but it's all about selling safety so i read the book and we got simon on and here we are let's jump into the conversation you can find out what i thought of the book and simon's general kind of journey and thoughts and and lessons and passions and so on we just generally have kind of a good chit chat about some things i found in a book let's jump into the episode and i'll see you at the other end hello mate how are we doing i'm very well thank you very well yourself good i'm grand thank you mate i am grand thank you very much in case anyone doesn't know who you are do you want to give yourself a little introduction and then we'll crack on Yes, my name is Simon. Um, I am um, currently head of health and safety for a a large company called NRS Healthcare. They're a big supplier to the NHS. um, I've been dabbling in safety now for about 10 years, um, doing various bits and roles in different industries. And before that, uh, I I was a police officer with Merseyside Police, as you can hear from my guttural accents. Um, and that was me. I got injured um, about 10, 11, probably longer now, years ago and, and uh, wound up a, a police pensioner at the grand old age of 35. So I decided to, to reinvent myself and, uh, and fell into safety. But yeah, that's me in a nutshell. And I've gone and written a book. How dare you? Which I have here. Which I have. There, you there it is. Thank you for sending that over. You're and- very welcome. I'm just whizzing through my notes uh, I made because it was actually a while ago um, that I read it. And um, I remember one thing he said was it, it, it's a it's quite an easy read. Like you went before you send it to me, you were like, you can bang it out in probably like an afternoon, which I did. Um, you, you might feel uncomfortable with this, but I read it in two baths. So I had one bath, read half of it, another bath a week later and read the rest of it. Don't know how you feel about me reading your book naked. I, I don't feel anything at all. It's more importantly, how, how did you feel? You know, you probably had spent some time uh, cultivating that moustache, if nothing else. Yeah, um, yeah. I've never had that before. Read it in two baths. Yeah. I, I, might, I might have to put that down as a review. Read it in two baths. <laughs> pretty, pretty good, that. Do you want me to put it on Amazon for you? Stick it on. Stick it on. I love it. Um, you know, you read, I've read it. Make, make it stand out. You can read it in the bath. I love it. 
<laughs> oh there you go that do you know what that that needs to happen now like i'm gonna have to write that on an amazon review or something i'd, I'd love it because uh you know so, so some people have been lovely putting reviews on and it really does help with the with the reviews i've got to say and um i'm gonna say 99 percent of them have been positive one fella absolutely hated it um but uh he's in the minority thank thank god but yeah i'd, lo- I'd love that to see that read it in the bath you know <laughs> Right. Do you have some candles out and all that? Is it a romantic evening for yourself? I, I have. I'm not going to say I've never bathed with candles because yeah. I have bathed with candles, but that particular one was a very simple. I'd done a bike ride the day before. Though both of those, I've been getting back on the bike. I just needed to soak the muscles, mate. So it was nothing fancy. It was just me, the water, and you in a book. <laughs> Lovely, me, you in a book in a bath. <laughs> That's yeah. it, mate. That's you know, it. Some sore muscles. Yeah, it's it, it. There's a review right there. There's, there's probably a chapter here coming somewhere. So I'm writing another one, believe it or not. And uh, there's probably a chapter here coming from that. Me, you in the bath. Yeah, yeah for sure. That must must make a note of that. And to be honest, though, if it's not in the next book, like I'm really, really upset. Well, it, it, it'll have to be now. It'll have to be. We're about fifty percent of the way through it, but I could, you know, I'm, I'm, there's always space for more, isn't there? Maybe you in the bath. I love it. Uh, my target well, with this book was to write it in four baths. <laughs> well, well, yeah, as long as you take it in the shower, you know, wouldn't work in the shower, would it? Wouldn't work. Just wouldn't work. Maybe it maybe they're waterproof Kindle or something. I don't know. Somebody sent me a picture of somebody reading it near the pool somewhere in Spain. I think it was. So uh, you know, it's it's international. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let run me through the, the book is called "The Safety Salesman Shoot from the Lip: The Real Bottom Line on Selling Safety." Um, why why did you feel like you need to write this book? I, I well, why indeed? Um, I I wrote it because I, I wanted to to be to to write for a long time. Uh, Post policing, really, um, because I've got, I, I think, an abundance of tales that people may find interesting. Um, and I tried for ages to write um, something around policing, and it just wasn't happening at all. And um, this came about more from I was like blogging on LinkedIn because I didn't exist on social media for obvious reasons when I was, you know, in the cops and I, I didn't do anything social media wise, but I start, I've since finishing, I, I got on LinkedIn and whatnot and been putting stuff out on that. And I started blogging anyway. And um, I just started writing a couple of little tales and people mainly from the armed forces picked them up and quite enjoyed them. And somebody said, uh, some idiot said, you should put these in a book. So I started doing it. Um, and, I, and it sort of came together from there. But at the time, it was just like a mishmash of of stuff. It wasn't really cohesive. Some may say it still isn't. Um, but <laughs> I spoke to some like proper authors who were, who were really helpful and they helped me sort of pull it together. But the, the safety salesman bit, was all from like a line that was said to me um, many years ago that like it was about policing at the time. It was like, you're selling something that no one wants to buy. And safety, I think, is a lot like that. You're you're selling something in your message, maybe, that a lot of people don't want to buy. And that could be because it's boring, it's too long-winded, maybe the way it's it's you know put across to people. But that sort of resonated with me. And policing was like that. And, and certainly more when I went in the CID. 
and you had to be a different kind of um have a different kind of approach really to, to being in uniform it's a very different role and um yeah that, that that's where it came from shoot from the lip is obviously you know because I'm, I'm a uh, I'm from the Merseyside area, so I'm always gabbing. Um, the next one's also got a, a mouth connotation to it, the title of it. Um, I won't tell you what that is yet. It's just a prize. But, uh, yeah, that, that's where it's coming from. Bottom line, again, linked to sales and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and that's why I chose it. Even, like, the cover art, mate, it's all it's all DIY. And it's all done, you know, by, by me and Mrs Jones at home. That's just, like, a bit of a cheesy image isn't it of a classic sort of mm. safe safety uh sorry a salesperson you know it's all it's all, it's all in cheek I, I didn't think there was anything else I no one else was really doing anything like it yeah. uh probably for, a, probably for a good reason um and i just thought it's it's me and i'm gonna put it in you know and that's it that's a long answer isn't it no well it's fine I, I, we do need to clarify one thing um can you say noodle and then please say google because i still don't think they rhyme even with a scouse accent noodle and google there you go it rhymes straight away it's rhyme. we're talking alliteration here you know gcse english going on and all so <laughs> you, you, you pulled me up on that early doors i thought that's not the only thing you took away noodle and google God, i don't even remember writing i had to find it um Hey, you do you do what you can, don't you? You do what you can. I, I, you kept doing saying it like I think the first couple of chapters like said it a few times, and I was yeah. like, "What's it doesn't Google, Google, I think it does. I think Google. it's my book, so Google. I can do what I want. I think uh, even in a Scouse accent, I'm <laughs> Google. No, I'm not feeling that one, mate. No, well, you, you've got your you've got your, your vowels. Ooh, you go ooh, you go on like that. He's you, you know, like that. Anyway, oh, <laughs> can you swear on this? You just swore. Can you swear again? You be myself, can I? You don't listen to the podcast, fucking hell, Simon. I've, I've heard it. I've heard it. I've heard it. <laughs> um, no. So I think I've I've heard the set the you know you're trying to sell something that nobody wants, um, and I, and I think that's really interesting, and and there was part of me that's like. There was part of me that kind of reading it, and and it's funny because I had a very similar conversation the other day with a couple of people that that did a podcast and around a similar but a similar topic or or a same theme of the topic about a different topic if it makes sense. Like, and there was a vibe in me that kind of was a bit, and this is not criticism; it's just kind of how I felt. Like, are we are we still having this conversation? Like, mm-hmm. there was part of me like, are we are we still having to say this stuff? Like. Yeah. Let's do some safety work that that isn't pissing everybody off. Let's do some safety work that actually. And I was a bit like, oh God, I'm kind of I'm kind of just fed up having this conversation. Um, and then and then somebody did say to me, uh, it was Elisa that said to me uh, in this call, well, clearly we do need to still have this conversation because there are a lot of people that still don't think about safety the way that that we might think about safety. So we're kind of in a bit of an echo chamber. Like for me, it was like everybody I talk to talks about safety like this, like, like how I talk about it because they listen to a podcast or I engage with them. You know, we talk a lot. We're probably friends or whatever. So we're in a bit of an echo chamber. Um, so my initial reaction when reading the book was like, God, do we still need to have this conversation? But, but obviously you felt like you felt like we needed to still because you I, yeah. urged to read the book. Yeah. Oh, I, the book, sorry. Yeah. And I, I think that's born out of, um, 
go into to certain um, institutional uh, meetings and things like this, and there is just a sort of still vibe of a grey person um, who is very technically competent, I'm sure, uh, but just can't speak to people. And yeah. you think, um, I'd love to see you out maybe on a site or um, e even in the boardroom maybe or somewhere like that and just to see how you come across because you're boring me to tears um, here. And, you know, I, I, there is still, sadly, a, a, a space for it, which is why I wrote it. Um, it's dead interesting, you know, you said that because yesterday I took on a, a new mentee because I'm, I'm really interested in obviously bringing people on and bringing people in and young people as well, you know, younger than me. I'm 43. You know, this is a second job for me. I, people who are like in their early 20s who are wanting to go into this game. So the, this lad came on board with me yesterday and the first thing he said to me was, what other qualifications do you think I should get? And he's got a raft of them, this, this lad, you know, he's, he's done well already. And I, and I, I won't name him, but I, you know, I said, it's not all about getting all the qualifications, mate. I said, can you speak to people? Can you, and, and it, it opened his eyes, you know, have you got line management responsibilities? Are you, are you looking after other people? Have you thought about it? You've got to develop like that. Cause I said, there's too many people still in there doing this who are, I've got all the technical wizardry you could imagine, but I just can't imagine them ever speaking to anybody and, and being understood. Because if I'm getting bored and I've got at least a semi-interest in this game, what's the rest What's the rest of them doing? And I, and I still think, mate, there is a lot of people who are like that, who, who can't speak to people. And that's that's come from policing. If you couldn't get your, you know, if you talk in, in a certain way, and I put a big bit in the next book about this, about be, in a, being in a courtroom setting and being able to get your points across like that because policing was very, at times, stilted in its delivery, how they trained you to deliver evidence, how they trained you to present. It worked up until a certain point, but it was much better, I found, later on. Again, when I went in the CID and did different things to be more of myself. To give, and I think there's a lot of that for safety people. That, you know, there's there's people like us. Yes, you've got you know who bring personality into it, and maybe some humour and that, and a, and a human rather than you know I've got all these letters after my name, and uh, yeah, but it's pretty boring. What you're saying, you know, mm. it is it is it's sad that it's still like that, but I think it is still like that mm. in quite a big area of this. Game. Yeah. There was you're 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 very much. I felt like you were in the book trying to do something very similar to what you just said and to what we tried to do on on rebounding safety is put across that human approach. Like there is, and and I saw that review. I think you shared it on on um, on LinkedIn. That like negative, if you wanted to use that word, um, constructive criticism feedback that you had. And and part of it was he clearly didn't like you, you bounce around a lot with yeah. the references and like, it is literally like in, in the nicest way possible. It's kind of like if I was to summarize the book very well, and this is positive, um, I would say it's kind of like a mentor with ADHD. And it, <laughs> Quote, ding. 
<laughs> it's like there's there's loads of like for me the book was like something I would give to someone who's like fresh into the profession. Like it's a real nice gateway in a gateway book into thinking a little bit more beyond the technical side of safety and more holistically. But because you've got like literally random stories that that are kind of you put in context to it, but I, I felt that you were trying to communicate. You were trying to communicate that safety professionals are human. I, I got that vibe from you. Is that right? Or yes, very, very much so. I, I, I you know, I, I, I joke about it being tongue in cheek. I, I've purposely done it like that, where I'll go off on t- because I'm trying to make it human. So mm. I, I've purposely structured that. And in the second book, I, t- I explain a little bit about that because I, I laugh about that one star review because <laughs> he hated it. He absolutely hated it, you know, to give it one out of, you know, out of, I took a bother his ass to even do it. Um, you know, it must have affected him in a certain way, but it, it's been, I've structured it in that way, even like the slang that gets used and the, you know, the movie references and the, and the pop culture thing. And it does sort of go off about that. It's, I, I looked at like, um, like how Billy Connolly tells a joke almost, you know, he'll, he'll come all around the house and eventually he'll come back. It is just a way of, of getting across being human. And it's even written in that sort of conversational style. Yeah. And even to the point where I'll separate, because grammatically and uh, it's wrong, and the paragraphs in it, you you know, it's wrong how it's done, but it, it, it's written in that way, so it's easy to read. Like somebody said, go and put it on an audio book, and if I knew how to do it, I probably, I'd probably I'd go and have a go. But I've thought about doing it that way for that reason. So to make, and you're right, it is about that. It's about, and I say it, it's about connection. And that's the best thing. If someone says to me, like even this with you, you know, there's just the connection there. That's it. It's the job done. I'm not. I'm not giving you answers or get, it's not a textbook. It's not that. It's just a bit of connection. Or you can someone goes, well, I can relate to that. Loads of people say, well, I can relate to that. Mm. That's what I'd wanted to do because I thought yeah. that was missing. You know, and and I, I appreciate that feedback there. You know, the human. That that that's good. That's perfect. That's what I wanted. I, I totally got that vibe. Like I felt that you were do, trying. You were trying to do what we've. What well, it felt like the beginning of rebound and safety. Like you know, if I go back to like the first couple of episodes of what we did, like it's it's yeah. uber. Like it's like uber yeah. rebound and safety. It was like it was so. It was kind of more. It was like me on steroids more than you know what I mean. It was kind of like very much the same. Like I swear, but like I definitely swore more in those first few episodes to make to make a bit of a point, and it was purposeful to 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 intently show everybody that we're human and we're not. Oh, help and thank me. And I'm reading a book, and I was like, I'm totally getting the same vibe off off of this. Yeah, and I, and that's good, and that's where where I picked you up from, and, and other people. Some people, you know, I, I I've picked up along the way, and they've been helpful, but perhaps they're not exactly my approach. But I picked yours up very early doors in it, which is why you know I reached out to you when I did. Um, that's it. It's it's about being human. You know, it's about even you know even to to how you to how you you communicate with with. with with somebody it's about that human elements there's there's not enough of that in safety it's painted its picture of itself it's it's a certain way it's obsessed with 
um, rank almost in a way, isn't it? Even, yeah, these these technical grades, very similar to policing, mate. I'm telling you, very, very similar to it in a way. And, you know, maybe that's what attracted me early on when I was thinking about a second career. But as I've gone along in it, I've gone, no, this is actually not right because th- th- this isn't working. Um, and, and there is a massive space for approaches like this that I think work. And, and if you can get younger people to do it like this, and I, I think that's the way forward, rather than these sort of grey, you know, you, you used a funny voice there. That's what, that's, that's what I put on. That's just how for sure, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you did it then, and I, that's how what I what I do. Mm. You know, there is a lot of people still out there, mate, who, who do it like that. I, you know, where I am now, I, I took over something that was it was very like that, and people are physically and visibly shocked when I speak, and how I speak, and how I come across, and mm. sort of I say and do you know so now you say like it's sad that we still have to do it i'm telling you mm-hmm. there is still a long way to go i think yeah and, and it, it totally is you know like i say we, we kind of especially me i can be very much in a in a in an echo chamber because of the the style and I would, I would say the caliber of safety professional that we've surrounded ourselves with are people that are in, in my opinion, a better safety professional because they're human. They're they're I, I just yeah they've got loads of those social skills and and so on and so forth. Um, so I I yeah I would say they're a higher caliber of safety professional, but whatever you can debate how, how we like. Maybe caliber is not the right word. I'm digging myself a hole here. I'm just gonna throw myself a rope and get out of that by changing the topic completely. Um, there's something you said here on page 42 on one uh, from the book which I wanted to for us to discuss on because um, it's kind of one of the things that we picked out of the problem you were trying to solve from the book around adding value mm. so it was a big it was a big vibe early on in the book of, of something that you're clearly passionate about um and there's a couple there's, there's 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 a particular paragraph that i wanted to just kind of read out and then discuss i want to give you an example of some customers i want i work with and, and my actually difference of a slightly difference of opinion on this. Um, so you were talking about some context as you were talking about basically adding value and so on. And you said, if the idea of safety is a bolt on to make a tender or application look good, or the management system gets tucked away in some dusty files, no one uses, and it has zero value and we're not interested in that. I agree. Right. If it's in a paper, if it's in covered in dust, there's no fucking point in it. Right. And there's so much in my career and now that I come across that that is very much like that. It's covered in dust. Interestingly, though, the mention of the tender application pricks my ears up as as an example. Right. So there's something I think that. And you've probably come across it, but like this whole tribalism that we're seeing in safety of like new view, old view, safety one, safety two, which is completely missed the entire point of what that message is trying to communicate. But let's just part that for a second. What can tend to happen is you might read provocative one-liners from particularly one certain author um, who, who paints a very... I think exaggerated picture of throwing all paperwork out the out the door as a case study, as an example, right? 
Now, there's some people that fucking walk on hot coals. Doesn't mean we're going to do it, right? So, Denny, what that seemed to have caused is a lot of people that have gone down this route of saying, if it doesn't add value, would be the phrase that they would say. And when they define value, what they mean is, if it doesn't positively manage the risk of safety to the shop floor people, the people, as you say, facing the risk, um, then it's not adding value. I'm not saying that's what you were saying in the book. This is just what my right. bra- where my brain went with this. Yeah. And, and of the people that do that, like if it's not making work safer, there's no point in doing this. Not sure I agree with that. So there's an example I would give in that when we started Risk Fluent, I wasn't very comfortable with doing these. I'm not going to name the companies because I just can't be asked with the bullshit off the back of it. Um, the, the kind of construction accreditation services. Let's go with that. You'll probably yeah. know what I'm talking about yeah. where it's, it's send me some paperwork, check. You've got that paperwork, check. You've got, pay- it's got no relation to the shop floor whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy for us to go adds no value. And when I started full-time consulting this year, I did exactly the same. I don't want to do that shit. It's bollocks. It bores the shit out of me. I don't want to do it. However, mm-hmm. The customer can't tender for the job if they do that, if they don't do it. So it does bring value yes. to the company. And I'm, I don't think that's what you were saying in the book. What I think you were saying is is, is about, does it add some kind of value? Yes. But I think we've got to be very careful in how we communicate this message as what's value, because value might not just be making the job safer. No, no I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think to be effective in this game um certainly in a, perhaps in a more senior role or as a consultant maybe i think you've got to recognize that you can add value in other ways as well and this is where I'm, I'm coming about this is why i said about being a salesman or a salesperson that you've got to understand there's other value that safety has it does have commercial value you, you spoke there it does have commercial value and that that's a skill that if you can you know, you can get your head around some of these, you know, accreditation schemes, like them or not like them, they exist and a lot of clients want them. So if you can learn how to maybe do those and present those, you are adding value. If you can add, you can look to present maybe a, a business case, not safety related, but if you can understand how to present it in terms that everyone in that room is going to understand, finance, HR, fleet, whatever it may be, you're pulling stuff together, you're adding extra value there. I think a lot of people just look at safety as a very narrow mm. you know, window. This is just it's all about making things safer on the on the on the shop floor or, or for the operation. I think as as safety people progress, you've got to understand, well, actually, to get maybe your messages over, and this is about understanding how to speak to people. It's about learning what the value is to maybe your finance director who's got no real interest in, yeah. in in that as a in his day-to-day life yeah that's what i was saying that there's the value and that's not you're not going to get that from an ebosh qualification or an iosh badge you're going to get that from experience from learning from other people and maybe stepping outside of a, of a, of a comfort zone that certain safety people might be and i don't feel like um, a traditional safety person because I'm not one, I'm self-taught. So I don't know what I'm doing is necessarily all right. But, you know, for the past 10 years, it seems to be going all right to me. 
Um, so I don't know what, what how you should really be. I've just gone with, well, this is what I think it should be based upon what I've done before. But yeah. I've always looked at other people around me, like people who are my, maybe my bosses who weren't safety people. They were, you know, maybe a manufacturing director or a, a HR director. And I've learned from them. And that's the value you can bring if you can step outside of, of safety and make it in a context. I think that there's, there's real value. Yeah. What I think, yeah, because it, uh, speaking personally from us, like it, it made we went we, uh, we as a me as a I don't know like the the MD of the company whatever, but like us as a company, which is basically me and my wife, like kind of struggled the in the beginning to like get our messaging right. What are we trying to achieve? Who who are we trying to talk to? Which it, it sounds like woolly sales, Simon Sinek bullshit, right? But like there is some value to it. Um, and I know me and Sam, and I don't want to, I don't want to go down a business route and I'm, I'm not like, because me and Sam spoke about this on the quarterly co-host for quite, quite a lot, but it, it, Actually, what you were talking about in that page and that thing, and what we've just what you've just said, and and what we were talking about, once we got that aligned w- with us as a company, it was like, oh yeah, okay, this makes it so much easier now to focus on what we're doing and where we're putting our time and and justify stuff for ourselves as well. So like a lot of companies we were coming through, they were like in early doors, they were like, can you do? I don't want to mention the name of the, can you do this accreditation scheme? Yeah. And I was kind of like, yes, I can do it. I've done it before, but I don't want to do it. Okay. And But then I repositioned it in my head when I had this kind of realization and that through a project we're doing with another company where that customer said something, he's like, look, James, I've got all these rams and stuff that I do and I can't not have them because I need to t- need them to tender for the job, but they're generic and I know they're generic and I know they don't work in reality. So I want to put this to one side, keep doing it, but I want to change how we look at that. I want us to think that it's like, Tender process. It's like tendering safety stuff, basically, right? And then we've got shop floor safety. And I was like, as part of this whole conversation, working with that customer and, and really thinking about risk flow and rebound safety and what we're trying to do, I was like, fuck me, that's it. Yeah. Has value for the company, but but it's clutter to the shop floor. So it doesn't mean we can throw it out. Yeah. It just means we protect the shop floor from it. So how we now pitch it to our customers when they say, can you do it? I'd say, yeah, we'll not only do it. I want to completely take it off of your hands. Why? Because I can do it quicker and I can do it better. And I can have you spending your time focusing on actual risk management. Correct. And what is wrong with that? I say, I say nothing is wrong. Nothing. I think that, but that's added value. Yeah. And I think we are, I've met lots of people who are afraid of that. Mm-hmm. afraid of maybe admitting that or even you know accepting that's part of of, of the role mm-hmm. to, to add that value somewhere because that 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 way you can integrate yourself more as well with yeah. other companies because you can get siloed dead easy I, I work with people who you know you should in our role you should know a lot of people and a lot of people should know of you like you know the company I work at at the moment the company I can't get around everywhere, but I do videos like, you know, like every two weeks and people know who I am and that's good. I've got a guy who works with me who goes out 
on the on the coal face and they, they see him a lot but I, I i there's nothing to be afraid of that of adding that but i'm recognizing mm. you add value because it, it can enhance what you offer yeah and, I, that, that, and that's where the sales side of it come in because if we were talking sales marketing these are these this is what people do it's it's almost like you know bringing that element to the role it isn't just about keeping people safe stopping people doing stuff whatever it's not just about that do you think to do you think to be able to do that you have to accept within yourself that safety cannot be the top and slash first priority of the organization that it's not as simple as that that there's multiple priorities do you think can, can you can you have that realization of some of the work I do actually adds no value to the safety of work. And could you do that and also think that safety must be the top priority? Here's a little simplified uh, example of how you could use computer vision to proactively kind of identify things in the workplace as kind of learning opportunities without that kind of bureaucratic, slow, drawn out process of reporting and then they reporting and so on and so forth. Because really what computer vision is, is, is vision, right? It's like an extra pair of eyes but it's not got someone sitting watching that CCTV all day going, meh. So here's a really simplified version of, of how you could use it from the white paper produced by Protex AI, um, that's AI's role in promoting a proactive safety culture. Computer vision identifies packaging is often left by the ent entrance to the store on Monday mornings. The safety team reviews the selected video clips of, with the workers. Um, key point there, with the workers. So the AI has gone, hmm, this always happens on a Monday. There's something there. So it's a specific thing. So if your safety walk is only on a Tuesday, you're never going to see this. So the AI has spotted it. That was my first observation of this simple, this simple kind of story or situation. So the safety team gets the workers in and we start to have a discussion. They explain that there are too many deliveries on a Monday morning to unpack and clear away at the same time. So the health and safety manager shows the computer vision evidence to the operations manager along with the feedback and so on from the teams. And then the deliveries are spread across three days, making it easier for them to uh, manage the packaging. So you can see as a really kind of simple way of how this can help not only is that as computer vision that ai partnered with your cctv has kind of spotted up a trend we've got a trend here we're really good on the other days but we're not on mondays hmm and that's something i think would be really easy for us to miss in a workplace because it's only at a specific time and a specific place so you've got to be in that specific place on that specific day at that specific time for you to spot that the likelihood of that is very low so the ai the computer vision has kind of done the work they needed to do spotted the trend pinged it up to you you're able to get the team in and go oh look at this this is what we're talking about on uh, on mondays this is happening what what's the sitch peeps and they're like oh well deliveries are just mad on mondays we cram them all in on monday it's like delivery day and it's just nuts we haven't got time to clean this guy boom learning opportunity just a very simple example of how having those extra set of eyes and you having the right attitude and approach to be able to use that as a learning opportunity can help you 
constantly, constantly approve, constantly learn, become a learning organization and start having that presence of positives. So you're just constantly doing stuff. I really like it. And I really like this example um, to just really clearly and concisely go, oh yeah, I get how that works now. Um, so I took that out of um, Protect AI's white paper that you can download. The link is in the description. It's called AI's role in promoting a proactive safety culture. For me, this is all about becoming a learning organization, collecting that data, having all of that tech help you spot trends so that you can take that and learn from it. It's just increasing all of those constant learning opportunities. So go to the link in the description below, have a read. It's an easy read. There's some really cool little chunks in there. There's loads of stuff that you can learn from this paper. It's not overly academic or anything like that. It's, it's a really simple, easy read. There's some good takeaways in there. Um, and I think there's some really good takeaways in there, regardless of you take on computer vision or not so make sure use the link in the description below and read the white paper peeps can can you can you have that realization of some of the work i do actually adds no value to the safety of work and could you do that and also think that safety must be the top priority i i think if you if you think that you you are naive to the realities of the world of work. And, I, and I'll go so far, mate, just to say, and this is true, just to say this, there is a chapter in my next book, which is, and I'll say this, which is called Safety First, My Arts. <laughs> it isn't. It isn't. It's maybe as important as other things, but the sole purpose for certainly, you know, commercial enterprises is to make money and to generate customers. That's it. Safety's a part of that. Quality's a part of that. But to say, to come out there and say, safety first, that is bollocks. Because it isn't. Mm. Not first. It could be equal amongst those other things. But I think you're naive if you think, if you just think that. And it's, a, it, you know, I, I think your message is lost if, if you purely yeah. think that. It's as, it can be as important, but I, I don't agree with, with that. And companies that say it, you'll generally find are the ones that, you know, suffer because of it yeah i i understand the notion behind it i get what you're saying i, I do and, and so many people like particularly customers um feel really uncomfortable when i'm saying i want you to tell me admit to me that safety is not first and they're like but i care about my people that's they're two different things there's, there's a difference between caring about your people and saying that safety is fair so if you you care about your people, yeah, that's why I care about their safety. Safety is my top priority. All right, so you're going to work so hard on safety, you're going to invest in everything that the company goes bust, and now I can't feed my family. No. Is that just as bad? It feels just as bad. I think it's worse. I think it's worse. I think it's worse. I think, you know, safety should sit at the table. You see more and more, you know, senior roles available where people, people in from a safety background are sitting on and have an influence at that kind of level. You know, I think just the same as you see, maybe HR doing the same, maybe these sort of support functions having value. But I think if you come out with your, you know, your mask there saying it's safety first, I, I think your message gets lost because yeah. it's, it's as important as the, as the other elements. And because I think that's... You know, Go on, go on. Yeah, you've got. I say you've just got to integrate with yeah. that. Otherwise, you become siloed. 
it's, it's it's the nature of business, right? Business is is multifaceted. There's loads of different priorities. You know, you you wouldn't have an accountant, a HR on on operations, whatever. You wouldn't have them on the board being like, no, I am the top priority. Like now now maybe as a company you have a a, a loose priority where one might say that it's a problem, but like ultimately sometimes you can have quality as your top priority as a company, but yeah. sometimes sometimes the customer's not paying you enough to justify a high quality product. So you, you either make a decision, do we yeah. go with that? And so, so it, for me, it's more about having risk-based conversations and accepting that everything is risk-based. And that, and that is, somewhere else in the book yeah. <laughs> we're just writing your book here we? <laughs> no, no, I, in, in this one i say take a risk-based you know approach from it um i i, I look back there on on police inmates if safety was first mm. we'd never do anything you'd never lock anybody up you'd never yeah. go into anyone's house you'd yeah. never you know you'd never stop a car you, you just wouldn't do it mm. um, it's not first it's it's important it's as important it's a very important thing yes obviously as important but so are other things and i think that 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 message is is just diluted and, and that's very old i think it's old-fashioned yeah yeah cool right let's let's move on to one of the other points that you had i liked how you mentioned this and then kind of just was like moving on because I felt like, I felt like you were like, I don't want to get all these academics ringing me and being like, oh, that's not technically correct. <laughs> like, here you go. So I'm saying it anyway, here goes nothing. Heinrich's triangle module doesn't work anymore. I'm not getting into explaining what this is. If you're reading this and don't get this bit, um, use that well-known search engine that rhymes with noodle. There it is. <laughs> um, yeah. talk, talk to me about, I've got some thoughts on this, um, but talk to me about your thoughts so that it doesn't, it doesn't work anymore. So I, I don't think we can use a model that's now nearly a hundred years old to accurately reflect the modern world of work. I think if you look into a bit of how that model was produced, you will quickly see the the evidence that it was generated from is flawed. Um, and I, I genu genuinely, genuinely don't agree that, you know, so many hundred near misses predicates, you know, a fatality. And I, and I think if you look at all the big and major incidents that have ever happened, there's two things I always say there is what one is that a lot of them had all the bells and whistles and all these certificates that people seem to chase under the sun, yet they still, they still killed a significant amount of people. And B, if you're telling me that, you know, you're spotting things on the shop floor all the time, is, is in some way going to predict that one day you're going to have a fatality. I just can't see how that ever ties together because I, I say it in the book, mate, and sometimes people just do crazy shit that you're never going to be able to predict. And I just find modelling like this to be a little bit sort of doesn't sit easy with me. And I've worked in a lot of places where they try and rely on this and I, I've just moved them away from it. It's much better, I think, to to be much more proactive and rely much more on do more of the proactive stuff, the good stuff, and you will see the correlating fall in accidents. I think that is a much simpler model, and it's one that 
speaks to me. So that yeah, I, I put it in there for for a reason. Uh, no one's ever, apart from you, is picking up on it. Uh, to be <laughs> no one's ever really sort of come back to me on that. But um, I, 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 I obviously I studied it when I did my qualifications, and I just I thought I don't get this at all. Um, and then went to put it out, use it in practice, and thought gap doesn't make any sense to me. This. So I find this a fascinating topic, Homer's Triangle, right? Because it's if you follow the journey of it. It was like the cornerstone of safe like the HSE have it on their fucking website. You know what I mean? It was it was everywhere. Um, and then all of a sudden, it fucking disappears off a HSE website and everyone starts saying it's stupid and all of this stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, then fine. So I was like, okay, apparently it's stupid. I'm just gonna not talk about it anymore. And um and then if you listen to podcasts and anyone that proper does this, like, well, no, I'm like a Carsten Bush super fan. Um, I, I think he's great. Um, yeah, as an academic, I suppose, he, but also a practitioner um, and just all round nice guy, really. Um, but but ultimately, if you were to look, I think if I remember right there, and I might be not getting this 100% correct, um, but... There's only about four people, I think, roughly speaking, four or five. There's not a lot of people that have done a huge, in-depth amount of proper research into Heinrich's work. Right. Carsten has done the most of any of them. Okay. So there's no one that's done more research. But So that's why they call him, his like, tagline on LinkedIn is like the Indiana Jones of yeah, yeah. safety. He's like the historian of safety, right? So he's done this massive amount of research on like trying to really a- answer the question, what was Heinrich trying to say? And when you listen to, and you'll never read his book because it's a, it's supposed to be an academic book, so the publishers have priced it like a fucking two hundred pound a book. <laughs> I, I said to Carson, I'll read it one day if you send me it for free, but I ain't paying that price for anyone's book. I don't give a shit who you are. Um, his his other book, which is not about Heinrich Triangle uh, or 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 it's about culture, um, but it's uh, it's nowhere near as expensive. So you can buy that one, and I do think that is a good book. Anyway, long story short, I do think there's one thing that we all need to remember when we look at any model. All models are wrong, but some are useful. I have no idea who said that, but somebody told me, I heard it and I was like, fuck me, that's good. I might get that tattooed on my body and I don't like it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so when I listened to Carsten basically summarize his findings, I took away a couple of things. One, the model that was sold to all of us was not Heimrich's original intention. Yes. Heinrich's original intention is basically what he's trying to say is that there are things that happen in the workplace that signal that you might have problems. So yeah. you you cannot apply a triangle, e.g. those numbers. The numbers were just a representation to make it easy for you to understand. Yeah. Like bearing in mind he was trying to talk to operational people, not safety yeah. professionals. So yeah. completely different audience, which you've said here in the, it's a hundred years old, whatever. Right. So it's completely different world. Um, so then you've got him tr- fucking trying. Oh, right. My daughter's got the piano one. I was like, what the fuck is that noise? Um, <laughs> and uh, completely throwing me off. But so he, you have to bear in mind, the audience was different. As you said, hundred years old. Right. But 
we applied that triangle across a whole organization, which Heinrich never intended us to do. So he was like, if you have, we, we were like, if we have a hundred slips, that might mean we're going to have a fire. Mm. How does that fucking make sense? If we have a hundred chemical problems, we might have a machine incident. How the fuck does that work? They're not related. Um, so basically, what I one of the things I took away from from Carsten's work was, and there was there's a lot more than this, but one of the big things I took away that if you are going to use it, you kind of use it for each risk type. So if you've got you're, you're kind of looking for connections, yeah. I think that's the important thing. You're having shitloads of near misses. It's yeah. like where's the connection? So if we then put that triangle onto something like Bradford Football Stadium fire, yes. right? loads of housekeeping problems, yeah. right? Then we've got a timber frame building that was dilapidated. Yeah. Then we've got the fire exits being chained up. These are all kind of near misses in a way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if you look for the connection, you might then go, hmm, if we insert an ignition source into that, we might have a fatality. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think what Heinrich's trying to say is you're getting loads of signals and some of them are near misses, if we want to call it. I'm not sure I'm happy with that phrase, but let's stick with it because it's one that everyone yeah. knows. Yeah. We get loads of signals on the shop floor. Sometimes we have accidents, which is a really strong signal. Mm. And if you're getting a lot of those, it's likely you're going to fucking kill someone. That, for me, is kind of all Heinrich was trying to say. Yeah. Which I agree with. Yeah. That, that's, you know, that is a, a, an interesting way of, of looking at it. I, I just didn't. It just didn't speak to me. What the the, the model that did was the Swiss cheese one, the James Rees and one, and we which is the next thing I highlighted in a yeah, and that you know, and that's that's defences in depth. And I think if you look at something, let's say you you said the Bradford fire there, I think if you look at that and apply that in that model, I think that that to me, and I and I explain I explain risk in that way to people. I I, the amount of times I've drawn you know that kind of model on a board, and I be oh. You know, that's more. I think how I how I go about it. That that it never. And that was just on the page. From you just jumped out on the page. I, I looked at that triangle for ages and went. I I, I just I, I if I if I don't if I can't like apply it or, or it doesn't make sense. I can't um, I can't look to sell it myself to anyone. And it never mm. really spoke. You know. Yeah, and and I think that's the beauty of that. All, all like all models are wrong, and some are helpful. It, it kind of means if it doesn't make sense to you, why fucking use it? Like if you can't communicate it to your internal customer or yes. external customer, don't use it. Yeah. Um, so for Heinrich Triangle, I don't really use it, but it tends to come up a lot. Um, oh yeah, it will like, a, It's well known, right? Like well a lot known. of people get it. So we we have to more often than not have to just like repurpose it in a way. If, if I'm yeah. with customers, because yeah. I think if you so, you know you'll get people trying to like, well, we're not, we're not doing enough near miss reporting, and you know we're gonna we're gonna miss something. But if you if you start like KPIing people to put near misses in, you'll get like there's a bag of crisps on the floor or something, or there's a puddle yeah. outside. You'll just get shite. Yeah, um, coming through and it, it it adds no value. So I I never look at that. I never you know use it as that to sell to sell that. I always use the other model. 
yeah. as, a, as a better way of, of selling risk, really, or risk management. Yeah. And, and I think when we look at, so there was another point that, that I highlighted in a book, which you've already brought up um, about the Swiss cheese model. The Swiss cheese model for me is a really good model. I really like it. I think if we look at modern new view resilience engineering, a lot of them talk about the presence of safety and stuff like that. For me, yeah. that's what James Reason was trying to say. Um, defense is in depth. He's like yeah. the, the the presence of effective risk management. Um, I think like I think that was right then. I think it's right now. I, I do think there are some flaws in how we've utilized it, in my opinion. Um, in the, I, I think we use it too narrow. I'd be interested on your thoughts on this. Like, we we've kind of come up with a model that we use internally um, for dealing with kind of things that happen in in the workplace. So we we kind of break down into four kind of loose categories of contributing factors to performance, basically like organizational factors, which is typically what we see GM, uh, the layers of safety described as like admin, engineering training, things like that, things that the organization drive and predominantly resource and so on, like guarding, blah, 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 PPE. Yeah. And, that, yeah. um, and we see the slice of the cheese, right? Yep. Um, but then we also have like the situational things that happen. So like the weather on the day, the the team on the day, the attitude within that team, the customer on site, the condition of the site. So the, for me, there are another load of layers of cheese. Um, and then You've got the human factors, so like that person's attitude, their knowledge, their competence, um, their you know biases. All of this stuff is another set of layers. Yeah. And then you've got the cultural stuff, which is really hard to see and feel, and and most often, more often than not, I feel like just not not helpful to talk about cultural stuff most of the time. Um, but but ultimately, you have the the company's norms. So if that's a positive thing, then it's a, it's a layer of cheese. You've got the, you know, the company's kind of unsaid priorities. If that's a positive thing, you've got the presence of psychological safety as another kind of cultural, yeah. if you want to put it in there. So like, I feel like we, we could did it too narrow. Like when Jim, when the Swiss cheese model was taught to me, it was very much like do some guarding, have a risk assessment, get a permit to work, wear some PPE, which I think has caused a little bit of the problem that you see particularly in construction of like, let's just wear PPE anyway, because it's another layer of safety. It's another defenses in depth. And I'm like, fuck off. It's just over the top, like nothingness. I think we've gone a bit too far with it because we were so naively focused on it or narrowly focused is probably the better way to say it. Yeah, uh, you know, you're probably all right there to a degree, certainly with the with the PPE bit in in, in that sector, which it is unique to that sector, really. <laughs> as one more to it. Well, I, I I just think as a as a model, it's just it's just easier to sell, and it makes it just made more sense to 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 look at it like that. And I've had much more success. That, that way rather than just sort of you know here's a try when I see the triangle my heart sinks because I just I just don't believe it but um no I, I the, the the risk that model the Swiss cheese model I think it makes it makes more sense to me 
Yeah, I, I like it. I do like it. I think it's a good one. Um, right, let me pick out some of the other points I said. I'm trying to... Um... You've really read this, haven't you? I am, I am impressed. I've got to, I've got to say, you, you know, I know you, you, you folded a page down or whatever, you know. You've you, you, well, haven't you? You're giving me shit because I only fold. Normally I would highlight and write notes and shit, but I didn't, I obviously, I, I couldn't take a pen into the bath, obviously. So. Well, no. No, that, uh, to be fair, normally I would. If I'm reading a book, I'd have my highlight and my pen and everything. Um, but I must have got in the bath and forgot it and thought, fuck it, I'm not getting back out of the bath. Yeah. Um, but no, I thought I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can spark some thoughts out of this. Uh, <laughs> the problem is is I've folded the corner and I'm trying to fucking work out what bit of that page I was trying to refer to. Oh right. That's that's my what, chat. What, what page is it? See if I can help you out. I've got my own copy lock. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, let's do that. We could do like a live read. Page six. Why not? Why not? Page sixty-one. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm struggling to work out what bit I was referring to. It's either, the bit whilst we're working it out is going to be a really shit podcast. <laughs> nice. Yeah, this is a really shit podcast. Sherry will have to cut the silence here. Well, we're like, yes, dead air is a crime, uh, as they say, Alan uh, Partridge. Yes, this is about, all about uh, communicating all the time and, and being present, sort of, you know, all as much as possible. Um, someone who's asking about, you know, what your sort of strategy is, and it's just about being, you know, being around as much as, much as possible. Um, oh, I know where it is. I've got it. I've got it. It was this bit which I really liked. It was quite. I'm going to square it now. There, yeah, look. Took some notes now. It was this bit I put up, which I I remember thinking actually, it's a real simple way of of communicating something that I think is by academia overcomplicated. So I'm talking about um, like organizational drift as a theory, workers done, workers imagined, and all of that yeah. stuff. And yeah. I read this and I was like, fuck me. Yeah, that's a really simple way of like, explaining that, which yeah. I really liked. And and you put in here, you know, what what I meant was a not pilot. So you were asked kind of what's the strategy? And you said, be present as much as possible. And you put what I meant was not policing, but maintaining a kind of constant presence all over the all over the company's activities. Yeah. Then you put knowing people and knowing what is really going on. And I thought, well, fuck me. That's just such a great little way of, of saying workers done, workers imagined. Like knowing the people, yeah. which I work with customers all the time being like, yeah, how well do you really know your people? Yeah. Like, do you know the team well enough to know that that mother or father is is absolutely knackered, stressed and not focusing on the company right now? Or do you have this LinkedIn police relationship where you're like, that's your personal life and I got nothing nothing yeah. to do with that and this is professional. So I don't care whether you're what's going on at home, but home does impact work and work does impact home. They're interconnected. They're, and, and I thought the knowing people hits that for me, like the building positive relationships yeah. can create visible, can make unknowns visible or at least a little bit more visible. And then the next bit, knowing what's really going on, I think is probably one of the biggest challenges that most right. leaders have. And the bigger the company is, the harder that gets. Right. That, that's why I folded the, the corner of this page. And that, and that you will not see that in any safety qualification anywhere mentioned anywhere you won't mm. you'll see organizational drift maybe but you won't see it spoken like that and that is 
this role or the, is about relationships. It's about knowing people. And this is where I get, get come back to full circle, being able to get on with somebody and speak to somebody. I don't have conversations with people like about safety. We'll talk about that maybe in the yeah. middle or maybe at the end, but I'll talk and, and I know like who they are, a bit about who they are, maybe what their wife or their partner's name is, or mm. what they like to say, what football team they support. I'll I'll find an in somewhere that will talk about anything and establishing a, a relationship. And then we'll we'll have a bit a bit about that. And then we'll, you know, then they'll start to relax and tell me you know, actually what is going on. And the guy who worked for me, he's really good at that as well. That's why he's come with me from, from the previous company. He's come with me to this to this role because he's just dead good at speaking to people as well, yeah. you know, on more on the, on the shop floor, which is where he operates. And that is what it's about. You won't, yeah. and that's where that, that lad yesterday who I, who I start, I've started to mentor, don't get more technical qualifications, mate. Start like developing your social skills, your personal skills. Because he said something about, oh, I often end up having almost having a fight with people on on a site. I said, that's wrong, mate. That's wrong. And he, he sort of put it down to maybe his age because you're only a young lad. But I said it's not just that. Maybe it's how you sort of how you're coming across and how you're sort of going about things. Because yeah. I I remember. I remember what I felt like off the back of doing my new boss general. And I came and I, this may be a combination of the qualification and how it was delivered to me back in the day. And this was over yeah. a decade ago now. So it's a fucking long time ago. The world has changed. I don't know. Might have changed, might not. But I remember coming off that new boss course and felt fucking empowered. Like I know better than everybody. I'm going to, I am the police officer of this yeah, workforce and you must listen to me. And then going into an engineering workshop on the manufacturing site that I was based on and trying to tell these guys that have been doing this shit for about 30, 40 years yeah. that yeah. I know better, you can imagine how the conversation went. Um, and I was lucky that as you picked up, I can talk. I like, I love talking to people. I love just, I love connecting with people, you know, and, and I love building relationships naturally. I'm quite a people person. Um, except I, I do wish sometimes that I could give like a, I wish I could do like a PQQs for people. Like before I commit too much to sitting down at a table with you, can you just fill out this questionnaire to say if I do want to talk to you for any longer than now? Yeah, but vetting like, people, yeah, vetting people. Yeah. yeah, I really do think that's a thing. Like, if we could just vet people, like I was saying this morning, have, have you ever watched The Boys on Amazon? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like that's crude as anything. <laughs> and I feel like I, I I would have a prerequisite of of Do you want to sit down and talk to me? Yes, I'd love to. Do you like The Boys? Oh no, I thought I thought that was terrible. We might we might as well not talk. <laughs> but anyway, I um and I do remember coming off the back of that knee bosh, and I'd been kind of brainwashed isn't the right phrase, but I I had come away feeling like that, which is worrying. Which is why I thought this book is a nice gateway to that next world of of safety, if that makes sense. It, it does make sense, and that's probably like I never really gave it a great deal of thought at where it would be. You know, who what's the market audience? I didn't give any real thought to that. It was just something I wanted to do. 
a few people have picked that out and said, oh, I bought it and I passed it on to me, you know, the junior member of staff. And I think that's great. Pass it on to whoever you want. If you're talking about, you know, here's a tale from, from about how you can, you know, when you first qualify. So the first person I ever arrested, I was 21, um, took, took them in. Like you go to the training school and you have about two years of training, very intense and all the rest of it. So, but then you have the reality and it's the first first one you take in like on your own because you spend 10 weeks with shadowing somebody else when you're actually out on the on the street and then if you're all right you passed off and off you go so the first fellow i ever locked up on, on my own and took him in he knew more about what was going to happen next once we got through the holding cell than i did because i'd never done it and you're talking about feeling like you know like empowered you come out of the training school thing you know everything and then you realize really quickly you know nothing um and it's you know it's stuff like that they don't you can't teach all this in a in a book and there's just there was a there was a big gap in it and the teaching it is is, is becoming more and more interesting to me so i'm potentially that's a sort of uh, on top of my full-time role, uh, going to start doing some lecturing, it, delivering some of the more uh, well-known safety qualifications for, for a local college. And because I've done a bit sort of ad hoc in my last place. And if you can present it in a certain way, I, I would love to present it in this way about how you're actually going to go about and actually put this into practice. Because mm. lots I've met consultants you know we work for sort of major clients of ours who just cannot speak to people you know just you know it's like that's very textbook and the way they they'll write an email and you think you know your your message is lost and that that's predominantly where i I sort of came at yeah yeah no i really like that mate and that that's i thought the book worked really well for that um, there was there was an interesting bit here. Like um, I don't know how much you know about nudge theory. Have you ever heard mm. of nudge theory? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. one version of a nudge might be would be I can I never say this word right, but reciprocity. Yeah. Basically, where you give something, right. and you're creating a feeling of, well, I I feel obliged to do something for that person now. So yeah, it's utilized a lot in your Happy Meal. You know. Yeah. Yeah. everyone thinks that you know or you get you get a toy it's yeah. kind of like we're telling you you're going to get something you don't buy like it's a, it's a nudge it's a it's an incentive in a way but maybe that's not a good example but like when companies give you something a little bit for free yeah. so taster of the company but also it's like you feel obliged to give them a little bit more and you give a story of how you kind of quite subtly done it um about the ice cream and the chocolate when you got yeah. on site, which yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm just fucking bribing people. Like, <laughs> it's more in depth than that, isn't it? It's more subtle in that. It's not just bribing people. It's it's like building relationship again, isn't it? It is. It is two mags, two magnums and a calypso. That is, and that is a true story. Imagine what it's like when you're trying to get people to give you information. So, like when I was in the CID, for example, if you're trying to sort of ask people to speak to you and tell you stuff, maybe confidentially, they're not going to just do it because they, you know, they're good citizens. You've got to be realistic now. They're going to want something in return, and that could be something like, and I'm being serious here, 
you, you know, you've got people who, who, who've been arrested and maybe are getting charged and they're going to want a deal. They're going to do a deal with you for information. And that happens. It's a reality. It does happen. So you've got to learn how to operate like that. And it is about, you're talking about incentivizing stuff. It, again, it's a reality. Accept it. Um, it's not it's not a bribe, but on a lighter level, it is just about relationships. And if you can mm-hmm. use little tips and little tricks to make things more human, use them. Don't be afraid of that. You know, don't be afraid of it. It's not, you know, some people that would be frightened to death by that. I, I, I thought nothing of it. I thought nothing at the time. I do, I do it again. I have done it again. I do it with my own, you know, my own team. I do it with anyone just to... And it's not, a, it's not a cynical thing. It's not a sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm really thinking about this. It's just a way of, of just being, starting a relationship to move forward with. And, that, and, that, and that's what it is. And, that, and that's how to, in my opinion, get the best results. And in, interestingly, like when I was, um, I was doing some training the other day and um, we're due to start, uh, the, it was more. It wasn't a training. It was more like a workshop. Uh, it was like a kind of learning exercise in a way, in depth, heavy kind of. You're you, you're involved. You're going all day, and it's all day. Yeah. Um. And they're running late. Um. And they were like, what, half an hour late? And I was, and we're, it's already a tight schedule. Like to be honest, it, it probably should go more than one day, but the company didn't want to do that. So okay, cool, that's fine. Like, we'll, we'll do a slim down version and cram as much as we can in for this day. It's a busy day. Um, so we've lost half an hour. Like I say one guy walked in visibly pissed, like not drunk pissed, like visibly angry. Um, well, not angry, but he just wasn't happy. Yeah. Um, and then walked in and um, he said something uh, about like, it was something like, oh, I ain't got time for this in a way. Like it was kind of like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's, that's nice of you to say. Thanks for being late and then coming in and say, but like, I kind of said in a, in a, a little bit of a jovially bantery way, yeah. something, something like, like around those lines. And anyway, and he bit back at it. Like he yeah. didn't like it and he bit at it. And I was like, okay, cool. And in my head, I was like, this guy needs some, like I need to give him something and where I'm going with this. So you don't have to give people things like a chocolate bar. Sometimes people just need time and they need someone to listen to them. So I, I did. I just I said, how are you doing, mate? And he's just, I'm busy and this and that and this. And, you know, they expect me to get all this done. They expect me to get all that done. And then they just take me off the site for the whole bloody day. Like, how am I supposed to run my bag? And I was yeah. like, bloody hell, mate. I just needed some time, like somebody to listen to. And I think that's very much the same as what you said earlier in the podcast, where I'm just talking to people not about safety, talking to people about them, listening to them, hearing them, whether that's about work or not about work. It's really powerful. Me and that guy got on like house on fire all day and he yeah. was the best person in that room. There you go. And that, and that is about, you know, you've had some empathy there, you've connected with him and, and you'll, you'll find that, 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 that little interaction there could have gone, really really badly Easy, yeah it could have gone really really bad couldn't it but if you if you'd have been a certain way there's a there's a psychological model of called batari's box i don't know whether you've heard of that ever it's okay. about it's it's your behavior affects my behavior my behavior affects your behavior and if you're anything into like conflict management or anything like that 
it's it's used often in sort of like the military and policing, and it's how you go about um, your first interaction with what could often be conflict because of the the nature of the interaction, and if you go at like a certain level, that that person's going to either meet you at that level and you're going to clash or they're going to go the other way. And it's all about that sort of psychology around it. And I muck, I muck around, but I am actually quite well read and I understand a lot of this stuff and I've used it. And that's what it is about. And you've, you just give a really good example there of that interaction. He's come in with a certain sort of mindset. You could have been a complete knobhead to him. And, and you know been re, you know dealt with that in a, in a very different way and you probably lost your best person in, in that room at the time by giving them a bit of space and a bit of time not at all and talking about something completely different that, that there's your in there that's your buy-in so you know on that hot day when it was boiling hot and you know they were they were let's have, let's have an ice cream and a chat you know it could, could have been anything it might you know what I mean it's just something else to get somebody just to have an interaction with somebody, you've done it there. That that that's Batari's box. That is. How do you say that, Batari? But but yeah, Batari, B-O-T-A-R-I. I think it is. It is about this behavioural Batari box. Yeah, you're, you're, and it, the the theme is your behaviour affects my behaviour. My behaviour. Oh, yeah. yeah. My attitude affects my behaviour. Affects you your go. attitude. Yeah, affects that, your that, behaviour. Yeah. Affects my attitude. Quite nice and simple, that isn't it? I like that. Well, I don't do anything other than that because you know, if it isn't simple, it doesn't work. And I, when I've like mentored people and I've had people in my team and we talk about, um, you know, how to sort of go about sort of safety work, and I, I often use that as a sort of you know, you, you could draw that. So, just for the audience that can't, that can't see it, you've got my attitude in a box with an arrow that says that points to affects my behavior, affects your attitude, affects your behavior, which affects my attitude. And you could draw that like a fucking tornado, couldn't you? Like you could literally spiral out of control. And, and that example with that, 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 that guy in that training, like I was pissed off. We're half an hour late. And this guy just walks in here, like with no empathy to like my fucking position. Um, and in split second, yeah. I, I was very close to being like, don't yeah. be a dick, mate. Like, have some respect. Like, yeah. I'm trying to do my job as well. I appreciate But it, I don't, I, I, and I don't think it was, it was, it was more because I'm, it's my business. I was kind of like, I need to make this a success. And I, it, it forced me to stop and think about how I react to this, um, which was really helpful. Um, but it could, have got, it could have gone the other way. Totally, very close to going the other way. Very and, close. And they teach that in in, in policing and in, in the military in those interactions where it could go bad and somebody could get injured, somebody could even get killed. Mm. If you go in, if you, you know, one wrong move, one wrong, even a word, it's, it's all about sort of your non-verbal communications as well and how a interaction could very quickly end up in a completely different scenario. When I was younger, I would often reflect on, because, you know, why I've ended up rolling around the floor with somebody trying to lock them up when perhaps another, uh, maybe a, a word that was said differently or maybe even a look or even maybe even how I approached something and how I looked or anything, it could have ended up in a different scenario. And there's a lot to that. And I've learned that over 20 years of sometimes when people sort of come 
at you with that. You just take a step back and realise, well, there might be a reason why they're thinking that. And, and that's that's Batari's box. It only took me 20 years to sort of get it, like, you know, but... Um, when um, I was on... I was on a different site with a, with a different uh, customer and um, I was spending all day with this guy and they had um, one of their guys had, had screwed up and damaged a bit of site and uh, of a customer. So the customer complained, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I'm just going to pop and see this customer like five down, five minutes down the road. Um, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, to be honest, mate, like if you go, it's not much I can do. I'll just be kind of sitting here. I was like, I'm interested to see your one of your customer sites, um, and I, I want. I also wanted to see how he was going to deal with this situation because I kind of build a relationship with this person as well, seeing how they respond to somebody making an error within their organisation. So I was kind of like, I want to come with you and observe. Um, so I went with him. We got on site. And um, and he explained to me, he's like, oh, yeah, you want to talk to Bob, right? So I just go and get Bob. And Bob walks over with, like, body language, like, yeah. and instantly I was like, this is going to go down. I was like, and then in that split second, I was like, this doesn't look good. Like, there's two of us. And we've turned up after in already a tense situation. I was like, I've fucked up. I should not be here. I think it's made it look worse by my by me being here. I thought the only thing that might save me, save us as a, as a collective, was like I was quite professionally dressed. So yeah. like I wasn't yeah. dressed like a... I don't know. Like I, I was thinking, maybe he'll look at me and go, "This guy's not going to have a fight." Do you know what I mean? Um, and I was thinking, "Shit!" Like it's about to go down. And the guy come over and he was like, "Oh, hi, lad. Sorry, I um, I look, I don't like to complain." And I was like, "Fuck me! Your voice and personality is very different." <laughs> like he walked over like he was going to fuck shit. Yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then when he got there, he was like, "Oh, I'm really sorry. I don't like to complain." And I was like, "Fucking hell!" Yeah, yeah. It doesn't yeah. take much. Doesn't it's you know perception. It can be you know stereotyping people, whatever you, you know whatever you want to call it. But there's a there's a lot to do with that, and the and the psychology of that is is very very interesting to me because mm-hmm. I I find some people I know have seem to have a really hard time at work, a really hard time with with people and and those kind of you know with professional interactions, and it just seems to have it tough. And others um, seem to be able to get on with people a bit bit easier, and still be in a position where there, you know, you have the conflict to manage, and, and our role often there is there is conflict, um, but there's a there's a, a way of doing it, I think, and a way of sort of you know, and it is about being able to interact with people, and you know, there's a, there's a lot to it. And I think that that's that was really where I was sort of coming from with that. Yeah, yeah, nice, mate. Um, it's been a pleasure talking about the book, actually. I quite enjoyed the relaxed style. We're going to have to cut out a bit of dead silence whilst we're both trying to find the bit in the book. <laughs> uh, but but I enjoyed it. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, if people want to get the book, I, I'm going to put a link in the description, but best place to buy it, Amazon, I suppose. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's only on Amazon. Yeah, you can get it from there. Paperback and, and ebook. Awesome. And like I say, very easy read. It's not crazy priced either, I don't think, is it? It's relatively cheap. And you yeah. can read it in two baths. You can read it in two baths. You, you can read it um, on a sun lounger, as somebody puts, yeah. or, you know, or on a train. Um, but more imp- most importantly, you can read it uh, yeah. and, you know, and maybe take something away from it. 
Cool. Um, and I I enjoyed it, mate. I think it's very much a, a gateway book from from health and safety into <laughs> into kind of relationship, people centered safety. So cool. I quite liked it. Yeah, like a mentor on ADHD. There you go, mate. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that's a compliment and not, and not a, oh. um, thank you very much. Um, anything else you want to, if people want to connect with you, best place to do that LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn. I'm, I've got, I've got my profile there on LinkedIn and do, do stuff on there. Um, you know, I'm on, I'm on a few different platforms and whatnot, but yeah, that, that's the place. Uh, yeah, have a look at the book and, but, you know, leave a review. I, I love to read the reviews. It's that, it's that, 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 you know, makes it all worthwhile. Nice one. Thank you very much for your time, Billy. It's been a pleasure chatting. How are you? Bye-bye. Okay, peeps, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Don't forget to check out all of the links in the description below. You can get Simon's book in the description below. You get Protex, uh, dot ai in the description below and you can find out more about us at rebranding safety and uh, risk fluent by going to riskfluentltd.com thanks for listening hope you enjoyed the episode catch you next week safe the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.